Can we give it up for the band just leading us to God's throne today? That might have been the most off-the-hook 930 service I've ever been a part of right there. I think it was the uh, blood infusion from the CCCers that uh, joined us here today. Um, they're a special motley crew, and so uh, if you can get the Urshas down in the front row, you've done something special in the early service. Sap season done. It's over. How many of you have been loving the sap that's been running lately? Anybody boil sap? We're, we're out in Lowell, so if you're kind of new, I just got to honor people that actually tap trees and uh, get sap, but what a good season it's been. It's Palm Sunday. Excited about that? And uh, I don't know what that's meant for you um, down through the years, but it increases in its value to me. I think in the church just growing up, it was Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When you think of the word Hosanna, I, I just probably transliterated it hallelujah or you are king or we lift you up or you are awesome. But the word Hosanna actually is an Aramaic word that means help me, rescue me, save me. And when I was thinking about that, and that is just the cry of our day. I think it's hard for us to get to a place of celebration and real, true consecration to the Lord because our hearts are just in a place where we are seized with this world, its cares, and it's got a stranglehold on us. And many in this place today did not come for uh, a peppy, sort of superficial topical treatment to give you a shot in the arm, you need a real transformation of the heart. I was meeting with several people this week, but one of them came into my office and was literally trembling in a panic attack. I don't know if you've been with someone who's been in a panic attack. I've actually had panic attacks. It's a scary, scary thing. And... This person was telling me about their week and this shocking news that they had received and went into their bedroom and cried out to, to Jesus, comfort me. I was, I, I was sitting across from this person. I heard, come for me. It was very interesting. And, and I said, did you say come for me? And she said, yes. No, comfort me. Come for me or comfort me? Comfort me. I was like, that's really amazing how those things sound so much alike. And I think what we do in those moments of time, and we all have them, it's no respecter of persons. Wherever you are, sometimes you're just saying, God, come for me and come for me all at the same time. Yeah. Amen. Nobody else is around right now. I don't know who I can trust, I don't know what's real about me, about anyone else, about this world I live in, you're the only thing I know to cry out to and, and for. You are my comforter. Comfort me, comfort me. That, that's actually what the word Hosanna means. Comfort me, rescue me, comfort me, save me, help me. 
Would you please help me? That's Palm Sunday. And when I think of the triumphal entry and how they sort of separated to let the king come, I think Jesus was really, really uncomfortable with the fanfare and pomp and circumstance of what power usually required, like Caesar, everybody sort of separated and and power came into town and everyone bowed down, all the peasants, because the king was present. And Jesus was on a donkey, (laughs) you know, coming on a donkey, sort of sitting side saddle is what I've seen in the little caricatures and paintings in Sunday school on flannel graph. And you see these people laying down palm branches and I'm like, this is probably the best moment of his life because everything else was pretty much down and dirty getting dirt under his fingernails. And it didn't last very long because the same people that were like, Hosanna, blessed is you, comes in the name of the Lord, literally turned on a dime and said, crucify him. So it's hard for me to celebrate this moment because it sounds so much like me and how temperamental I am in my worship and how temporary my affection for him is. How many of you just find yourself blending into the scenery or going with whatever the mob mentality is wherever you are in the moment? And if they're loving it, you're loving it. If they're hating it, you find hatred building up in your heart. That's what it is to be a part of a mob or a crowd. And they're just crying out, Hosanna, and I don't even think they know They're crying out for help, a lot of them. And what they think this king has come to do, which is overthrow Roman tyranny and rule, he's like, no, that's too small. I'm overthrowing the tyranny of the whole world. I was thinking about, we're we're reading, if you're new, we're reading through the New Testament. We're in the book of Mark, and we read half of the book of Mark. And when I saw the word Hosanna, I looked it up and it was Aramaic. And I was like, there's a couple other Aramaic words in Mark. And as I did some research, which is what pastors are supposed to do before they speak, um, (laughs) as I did some research, Mark has the most Aramaic words. In fact, he's really the only one that recorded in the Gospels the Aramaic words of Jesus spoken to people at their point of need. There, There was two of them that stood out one was in Mark 5:41. It says, so Jesus took this girl by the hand. She was either dead or dying. The people didn't know. And he said to her, Talith hakum, which means, young woman, I say to you, get up. Talith hakum. Jesus spoke Aramaic. Another one was in Mark 7. And it said in verse 31, Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went to Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. And there some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him because Jesus was handsy. And verse 33, it said, after he took him aside away from the crowd, this actually happened a few times. I don't know if you noticed this in Mark where a lot of times we think of all the healings being a big spectacle a lot of them were like, come off to the side, away from the crowd. I want something personal and intimate. I'm not here for a show. This isn't like Houdini or David Copperfield. He took him off to the side, away from the crowd, and Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. And then he spit. 
he was a farmer, and t- touched the man's tongue. This is what I, these are verses I call odd God verses. Because I'm like, I want to do ministry like Jesus, but not so much that verse. Uh, if you came up front like, I need ministry, well, you know, you know, I'm, I mean, that would be just weird. Let's just get honest. We can read this in the Bible, but if you're like, Jesus, can't you heal me another way? Just speak to me, or please don't touch me, and please, what are your hands in my mouth and in my ears? And he's like, and then he speaks out another Aramaic word, but he does it, and it fits into what we said last week because he felt the emotion of what it was to feel human and to feel what it would be like to not be able to talk or to hear. And he lifted his eyes to heaven and with a deep sigh, (sighs) be opened. And in that moment, it says in verse 35 that this, the man's ears were open and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. If I pull these Aramaic words together, we cry out, Hosanna, help me. And he cries out, Ephatha, telethicum, be open, get up. And he doesn't just say it from afar, he gets down and grabs our hand and helps us up. And he touches us and he talks to us. As I was reading through the Bible this last week, one thing that I noticed almost in all the stories of Jesus as he was listening to the Hosanna cries of people was this pattern of of response that he had. He, He usually interacted in two very important ways. I would love our church to become more like Jesus in this way. There was touch and there was voice. It's interesting with touch, I was reading some articles on the importance of touch and human growth and development. In Psychology Today, it wrote an article called The Crisis of Skin Hunger. And it was speaking to the lack of contact or connection with human beings in a physical way, with appropriate touch. And they spoke of the effects of a little to no physical affection being similar to lack of food and water and sleep where the body begins to manifest similar symptoms of deprivation or malnourishment. A sickness for touch, or as this psychologist called it, skin hunger or touch hunger. And Jesus knew this. And then it isn't just touch, it's talk. It's such an important thing in human growth and development, in our world of constant connection and information, we are starved for true communication with people. Someone to just look in your eyes and listen to you and speak life-giving words into your sick, sickened and and sickening soul. And Jesus would touch and he would talk. And some need to be touched and others talk to, and most of us need both. But Jesus was the only rabbi of his day that broke all codes of conduct and would, would just insist on touching people as he healed them. He knew that broken people are starving for and dying for a lack 
of those two vital transactions, connection and communication. Someone to gently touch them and genuinely talk to them. And you're like, well, I'm not a talker and I'm not a hugger. Then just beg God to give you that spirit because people need that so bad. Especially in our world where everybody's texting each other but nobody's talking to each other. I was um, preparing the message and on Wednesday, I was reading the Bible and I was writing things down and it was in the middle of that, I had this unusual occurrence in my time of preparation. I, I, I feel God's presence and I'll, I'll feel his nudges or his inklings in my heart, but I literally heard almost an audible whisper in my mind in the middle of my preparations where God interrupted my preparations and I heard in my mind, people are not as they seem. They are not as they appear. They are not as they make themselves out to be, Jason. Essentially saying everything you're preparing is not what they need to hear. Scrap that. It's people that are coming this weekend, you will answer questions they are not asking. You will meet needs they do not even actually have. And I remember closing my Bible, I was in the coffee shop, and closing my eyes and asking God, what is really going on in people's lives then? And it was like a water spigot turned on in my heart, and just God whispered into my heart just various words, and I was like, that's who's in the room. Yeah, that's who's in the room. And I, they're crying out, Hosanna, help me. And I want you, Jason, to let them know that Talitha Kum and Ephatha are words that I want to say to them today. Be open. Be free. Get up. I'm here. I heard the whisper, Jason, there are people coming to church that feel trapped. They can't make a decision of what to do to even get out, and they don't feel like any direction they would choose would lead to anything other than a bad outcome, so they stay put, and they're paralyzed in place, and they need freedom. Anybody here feel trapped? Jason, there are people here today who live scared. No one even knows it, but they don't feel safe in their own home. They aren't settled in their spirit, and they feel threatened by verbal, physical, sexual, and psychological abuse. Their hearts don't feel secure and protected. They are frightened, and they need freedom. Are you here today? Jason, there are people who feel very, very lonely. They're surrounded by family and friends, and yet feel so isolated, unknown, and alone, they smile and they laugh, but inside they feel sad and unseen, unpursued, and they just going through the motions and it's killing them. They want someone to be close to and they need freedom. Jason, there are people who 
constantly feel unvalued. They work so hard to care for everyone and meet their needs, but they don't feel appreciated and their efforts seem overlooked and they feel no, like no one sees the value of their contribution. They're turning into lifeless shells, hollowed out from years of being ignored and they need freedom. Are you here today? Jason, there are people sitting here today who are strangled with shame. It did something to someone or someone did something to them and the shame and the guilt they carry is unbearable, unspeakable and they're medicating themselves with pills and alcohol and sex but they aren't going to make it much longer if they don't find freedom. God sees, he knows. He's reaching out his hand. He wants to touch you. He wants to talk to you. Jason, there are people who are in a complete fog right now. Their mind can't think clearly. They're so confused as to what to do next and how to move forward, and they feel lost and are scrambling inside for clarity and confidence, but their brains are bound and their thoughts are jumbled and they need freedom. Hmm. Jason, there are marriages that are under attack from Satan right now. Nobody knows how long they've been sleeping in separate beds. Nobody knows how many secrets are being kept and how those secrets are poisoning trust and killing love. And if there's no intervention, these marriages will self-destruct. They need freedom. If you're right there, I just want to say just think long and hard about what you're doing. God wants to intersect your life and intercept you from the decision you're about to make. It's not going to lead to freedom. It's going to lead to another layer of bondage. Just deal with the issues. Jason, there are people smiling right now who are vexed with depression. They try so hard not to burden anyone with their burdens, but they can't hold it together anymore. They are dying under the weight of panic attacks, insomnia, hopelessness, and unspeakable anxiety. The meds aren't even working anymore, and they need freedom. God's got you. I was just texting a guy last night that's been battling insomnia and he woke up at 3.15 in the morning and got my text and texted. This is real. And God just just wanted to say, Talafakum, get up. Epfafa, be opened. Be unleashed. Jason, there are people who are bound in anger and they won't let go of that hurt, especially that one painful memory. You got it? And it's eating them alive. The grudges and feelings of revenge are piling up and crushing their soul. They're killing themselves as they hang on to resentment and they need to finally forgive. They need 
freedom. It's interesting what Jesus did on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then immediately after that, he said in Aram, just basically he cried out, it is finished. The telus die. And it's amazing how forgiveness and things being finished are so closely associated. Like, and you need to finally forgive so that it can be finished. Jason, there are people who don't even know who they are anymore. I've been here. They don't know what they even enjoy anymore. They wouldn't be able to tell you what they love about their own life. They've lost themselves along the way and are beginning to lose heart. And they don't look forward to anything and life is turning into a rut of resignation and they need freedom. Jason, there are people who are tortured in their minds, vexed with intrusive, condemning thoughts. There's nothing but dread and doom inside their brains that race with worst case scenarios and most of what they're battling isn't even happening. It isn't real, but they can't stop the madness and they're dying a thousand deaths in their head and it's starting to drive them insane and they need freedom. Jason, there are people who are successful there today and empty. They have it all and it feels like nothing and they're numb. They have so many things to be grateful for but they are discontent. They've bought things, traveled the world, made more money and it doesn't satisfy and they feel like robots in a rut and they need freedom. All this from God, what's really going on in people's lives then? Jason, there are people who are addicted to pornography Tons of them in your church, men and women, both boys and girls. They want to stop, but they've tried and been unsuccessful. And the longer it goes, the more they crave and the less it truly satisfies. And it's about to ruin everything they love and all that is meaningful to them. And yet they were under its dominion. They need freedom. Lust is the craving of salt of a man who's dying of thirst. This makes you more thirsty. Jason, there are people searching for truth. They've been staggering through life for years, stumbling around, maybe stumbled in here today, groping for the answer to their deepest questions about life and they can't seem to find what they're looking for and they're on the brink of giving up the quest and they don't know what to believe anymore. They need freedom. Jason, there are people who are so, so tired. They're beyond exhaustion. This morning even pushing themselves for too many years without true rest. And they never feel like they've done enough or been enough no matter how well things are going. They're hanging by a thread and they're one hit away from utter burnout. Just one more hit. And you're a goner. And you know it. And you need freedom. Get up, be open. He hears your Hosanna, help me cry today. There are people who have lost someone or something very special to them. 
pierced with grief and sorrow and they're waiting for life to be normal again even after many years but every day leads to the same place, despair and they wonder if they'll ever recover, ever find joy again after the devastating loss and they need freedom. And lastly, Jason, there are tons of people who just need Jesus to touch them and to set them free from their bondage and baggage. They need Jesus to say, Ephatha, be opened. Telethakum, get up. And if they don't feel the touch of Jesus' hand and the voice from Jesus' heart, they will stay as they are, chained and unchained. They need freedom. Let me just ask you a question if it, as if it was just you and me in the room today. Do you need Jesus to just touch you today? Do you need to hear Jesus' voice to just talk to your specific malady, your anxiety? Do you need just that deliverance and that emancipation, that freedom that Christ can offer by his spirit? Do you need freed today? That's why Jesus came. He didn't come for people to roll out the red carpet and celebrate with all the fanfare that you would normal kings. This, as Ryder said, is a humble king. A rabbi, a prophet who would come down off his high horse and get right down into the grind and the grit of life with people and embrace them and talk to them and whisper into their ear, neither do I condemn you. I'm here for you. I heard your Hosanna cry. This week I heard it. And I'm here to say to you, tell us a goom. Father, when you cry out, come from me, come from me, he hears that. Your cry goes to his ears, says in Psalm 18, and he responds. And if Palm Sunday means anything to me, it's people crying out, help me, and Jesus saying, that's what I'm all about. That's why I came, to seek and save those who are the last and the least and the lost and let them know their voice matters to me and their heart matters to me and I have a purpose for their life. I, when we were singing that song, Hananiah was singing out that sigh of, oh, I need you. And uh, she was singing that. I'm just like, oh, that's just the sigh of, every human heart. And I just imagine Jesus in that passage with a deep sigh entering every life here, carrying your sigh and just 
Like, that wasn't the man that needed healing that side. That was Jesus carrying the weight of that man's life. <sighs> Taking it upon himself. And today, you can exhale. Help me. And he will inhale all of your pain. And he will exhale. Be free. Get up. You can get up. Uh, no, I can't, Lord. That's why my hand is out. I'll help you get up. When she was singing that, it was like, I mean, there's Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then there was Hananiah singing up here, blessed is she who comes from Chicago to join us today. But so we're going to sing Hosanna with Hananiah. And we're just going to cry out that I need you part together. Is that okay? Why don't you stand up and just turn to somebody next to you and say, be encouraged. Just turn to somebody next to you for real. Just say, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Let's lift this up to the Lord. I need you. Hear the sigh and the cry of our hearts. Lift it up.